It's July 11th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and we're going to go ahead and jump in with our Old Testament reading, 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 1, through chapter 12, verse 18. As always, reading out of the New Living Translation, 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 1. Then all Israel gathered before David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, even when Saul was king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord your God told you, You will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be the leader of my people Israel. So there at Hebron, David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel. And they anointed him king of Israel, just as the Lord had promised through Samuel. Then David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, or Jabus as it used to be called, where the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land, were living. The people of Jabus taunted David, saying, You'll never get in here. But David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. David had said to his troops, Whoever is first to attack the Jebusites will become the commander of my armies. And Joab, the son of David's sister Zeruiah, was the first to attack. So he became the commander of David's armies. David made the fortress his home, and that is why it is called the city of David. He extended the city from the supporting terraces to the surrounding area while Joab rebuilt the rest of Jerusalem. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord of Heaven's armies was with him. These are the leaders of David's mighty warriors. Together with all Israel, they decided to make David their king, just as the Lord had promised concerning Israel. Here is the record of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jehoshabim, the Hakamite, who was the leader of the three, the mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. Next in rank among the three was Eleziar, son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahohai. He was with David when the Philistines gathered for battle at Postamim and attacked the Israelites in a field full of barley. The Israelite army fled, but Eleziar and David held their ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord saved them by giving them a great victory. Once, when David was at the rock near the cave of Adalam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Repham. The three, who were among the thirty, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at that time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. God forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. Which, man, that would be frustrating. You risk your life to get this guy a glass of water, you bring it to him, and then he pours it out on the ground. Be like, oh, man. Anyways, verse 20. Abishai, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the 30. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. It was by such feats that he became as famous as the three. Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant warrior from Kebizel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased down a lion down into a pit and killed it. 
Once armed with only with a club, with a club, he killed an Egyptian warrior who was seven and a half feet tall and who was armed with a sphere as thick as a weaver's beam. Benaya wrenched the sphere from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaya as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the Thirty, though he was not one of the three, and David made him captain of his bodyguard. David's mighty warriors also included Eshiel, Joab's brother, Elihan, son of Dodo from Bethlehem, Shamam from Harad, Helizah from Pelon, Ira, son of Ekish from Tekoa, Abizar from Anoth, Sibekatha from Hasha, Solomon from Ahoah, Makariah from Nephetoth, Halad, son of Beniah from Nephetah, Ithiah, son of Ribiah from Gibeah in the land of Benjamin, Beniah from Parathon, Huriah from near Nahel Gash, Abi Abalon from Abarah, Abma Mazemeth from Baharim, Alahibab from Shalabam, the sons of Jeshin from Gizion, Jonathan son of Shagai from Harion, Ahihan son of Shara from Harun, Eliphiath son of Ur, Hefer son of Mekara, Ahajah from Pelon, Hezro from Carmel, Pariah son of Ezebai, Joel the brother of Nathan, Mihibarah son of Hagarai, Zalek from Ammonon, Nehiran from Beroth, the armor-bearer of Joab, son of Zeriah, Ira from Jatir, Gareb from Jatir, Uriah the Hittite, Zabed, son of Ahali, Adini, son of Shizi, the Reubenite leader who had thirty men with him, Haniah, son of Maka, Josaphat from Mitha, Uzziah from Atharoth, Shammah and Jeel, the sons of Hophath from Aor, Jediel, son of Shimri, Johiah, his brother from Tiz, Eliah from Mavan, Jerebiah from Josephiah, the sons of Elinama, Ithamah from Moab, Eliath and Obed, Joshiel from Zobah. That concludes chapter 11, moving into chapter 12, verse 1. The following men joined David at Ziklag while he was hiding from Saul, son of Kish. They were among the warriors who fought beside David in battle. All of them were expert archers, and they could shoot arrows or sling stones with their left hand as well as their right. They were all relatives of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. Their leader was Ahizar, son of Shema from Gibeah. His brother Joash was second in command. These were the other warriors. Jeziel and Pelot, son of Azuma, Berkaroth, Jehu from Atharoth, Ishamiah from Gibeon, a famous warrior and leader among the thirty. Jeremiah, Jehazel, Jonowan, Josabad from Gibedar, Eleziar, Jeremoth, Bela, Shemariah, Shephatiah from Hefer, Alaka, Isaiah, Azrael, Josier, Jehoshabim, who were Koshanites, Joel, Zebediah, son of Gurum from Gedor. Some brave and experienced warriors from the tribe of Gad also defected to David while he was at the stronghold in the wilderness. They were expert with both shield and spear and as fierce as lions and as swift as deer on the mountains. Ezir was their leader, Obadiah was second, Elib was third, Mishamah was fourth, Jeremiah was fifth, Ataiah was sixth, Eliah was seventh, Jananiah was eighth, Elizabeth was ninth, Jeremiah was tenth, Maccabini was eleventh. These warriors from Gad were army commanders. The weakest among them could take on a hundred regular troops, and the strongest could take on a thousand. These were the men who crossed the Jordan River during its seasonal flooding at the beginning of the year and drove out all the people living in the lowlands on both the east and west banks. Others from Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. 
David went out to meet them and said, If you have come in peace to help me, we are friends, but if you have come to betray me to my enemies when I am innocent, then may the God of our ancestors see it and punish you. Then the spirit came upon Amasai, the leader of the thirty, and he said, We are yours, David. We are on your side, son of Jesse. Peace and prosperity be with you, and success to all who help you. For your God is the one who helps you. So David let them join, and he made them officer over his troops. Now, moving on to the New Testament reading, as that does conclude our Old Testament reading, we will be in Acts chapter 28. New Testament reading, Acts chapter 28, verse 1. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, snake driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. <laughs> you gotta love the people changing their minds there. First off, I mean, there's just a lot going on. Paul is shipwrecked, and then he finally gets to shore, survives it, and a snake bites him. So, like, I'm like, you know, uh, God, really? You're going to do this to me? Uh, I would be upset. But Paul's like, ah, it's no big deal. He shakes it off. The people, when they see the snake bite it, like, he's a murderer. And uh, then Paul doesn't die, and they're like, okay, he's not a murderer, so logically that means he must be a god. I mean, I just that's humorous. I don't care who you are. Anyways, <laughs> moving on to verse 7. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysistrian. Paul went in and prayed for him, laying his hands on him, and he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sell, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. I want to pause and go back to verse 10 where it says, as a result. So Paul heals all these people, and then it says, as a result, they got everything they needed for their trip. And I just wanted to mention, I mentioned it before, but the Holy Spirit is in the mission work. And so anytime the Holy Spirit does something special or powerful, it's not just because people prayed really hard or, you know, because, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is trying to, we have to manipulate the Holy Spirit to get him to do what we want him to do. No, he does it so that more people can hear about Jesus. And I, I, that's just, that's interesting here. We see that another example of that. Paul heals the sick. Why? So that they could get all that they needed to continue the missionary journey to get Paul where he ultimately was to go, which is Rome. Anyways, continuing back on verse 12. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed three days. From there, we sailed across to Regama. A day later, a south wind began blowing, so the following day, we sailed up the coast to Petolia. There, we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Appia Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. 
Three days later, after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, We have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe, for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to this people, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their eyes and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. That concludes our New Testament reading, moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. Chapter 19, verse 1. Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and a fool. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Verse 3. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. <laughs> I have certainly seen that, and I'm sure you have also. Moving on to our psalm of the day, which we will be reading in a posture of prayer. Basically, what I mean by that is um, you should just have a conversation with God. Uh, I've kind of stopped doing it for you uh, as we're going through the psalms the second time because I want you to do it. So just pause uh, whenever you feel led and pray based upon what that psalm says. When you run out of things to pray for, then... Uh, you just go on to the next verse. So this is actually really good to do if you have a paper Bible or a Bible on your phone to just read the words, pray, read the words, pray. Psalm 9. For the choir director, a psalm of David to be sung to the tune, Death of the Son. Verse 1. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. My enemies retreated, they staggered and died when you appeared, for you have judged in my favor. From your throne you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have erased their names forever. The enemy is finished in endless ruins. The cities you uprooted are now forgotten. But the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from his throne. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Sing praises to the Lord, 
who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. For he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore the cries of those who suffer. Lord, thank you that you listened to our cries. Thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to live the life I could not live, die the death I deserve to die, and then allow me to share in his resurrection. And uh, Lord, we await the day in which he returns and you fully and totally begin to execute judgment from your throne here on earth. And you will rule the nations finally and ultimately with fairness. And uh, Lord, the, the least will become the greatest. Lord, we cannot wait until that day, and we thank you for this gospel message. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.